0: Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm
1: Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Wait, so you really want to make a
0: podcast?
2: Do-do-do-do. Yeah, what if we just sang our um, music? Maybe
1: we should get some
0: real music, Samantha.
2: The podcast came. Are you still
0: recording? Three.
2: <laughs> Survival Jobs is a podcast spotlighting artists, their side hustles, and their passions.
0: Hosted by Samantha Titsola and Jason A. Coombs.
1: Boom.
2: Sweet.
0: Okay. Love it. What's up, boo? How are you?
2: Hey, Coomzy. Hey, baby. I'm good. You know, I saw Casey Musgraves last night at Madison Square Garden. It was wild. It was an amazing night. I'm tired today, but I'm happy. (laughs) I'm happy. So I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. How are you? What's going on?
0: I'm good. I'm just, you know, just... Working a lot. I wasn't at Casey Musgroves, <laughs> yesterday.
1: <laughs>
0: I was at T-Shop. Sh- I, I was helping um, do some renovations in her shop. Oh, so that yeah. I was there like, all day from like 12 to like 1 o'clock in the morning. So oh, my gosh.
2: Wait, tell everyone yeah. what the bookshop is. I know we've talked about it before, but I guess yeah, guest number six. Six, yeah. Six, yeah she pretty was six, early like, on. Like, mm-hmm.
0: She opened up a bookshop called Reader's Block in Stratford, Connecticut. So if you're ever in... The Connecticut area, Fairfield County area. You should definitely go. It's really nice. It's a bookstore that has used books and she has new books as well. Um, she does events like once a month. So she has like a paint and sip and she has like a Valentine's Day event and a, she has her own book club. So she's she's popping, she's making it work. So that's
2: fun. I would like to attend the paint and sip. It's pretty much my vibe.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, do some much art, have sense. some sips. Yeah, what could be bad? Uh, what could be bad? So, so yeah, congrats to her. That's pretty amazing.
2: Congrats to her, and can and and also you're such a good friend. Uh, I know that your survival job has been busy, right? And we can't talk about it. Maybe one yeah. day we can talk about your survival job, but we can't right now. And so yeah, when good, it comes out, yeah. Oh, actually, whenever I can't wait is. to shout it out when that comes out. Uh, mm-hmm. whenever that is. But good, you're you're such a good friend. I know you're so tired, and then you spent your whole Saturday. Helping tea. So this is why we have, to, we have to
0: we have to be good to our friends.
2: That's right. This is why family. we need more Jason Coombs in our life.
0: Yeah. You're too sweet. Thank you. It's the
2: goddamn <laughs> truth, babe. Jason, I want to talk to you about Yellow Jackets on Showtime. I feel like I'm a little late to the game on this because I feel like people have been listening, listening to it. Yeah. Watching <laughs> it for months. I think it came out at end of 2021. This show is so, uh, I can't find the word, eerie, amazing. The acting's incredible. The writing is incredible. The cinematography is incredible. I will tell you that I binged, binged it pretty quickly. And it's a little, it's a little fucked up. I will tell you like the storyline. Really? Yes. Without like giving Mm. any spoilers, it is a little like. No
0: spoilers. It's on my list.
2: Yeah. It's. It's so good, but I was, like, staying up super late to watch it, and then I couldn't sleep. So then I had to put on an episode of Gilmore Girls to, like, lighten up my mind so I'm not, like, <laughs> dreaming about the kind of fucked up stuff that goes on in this show. Uh, but I do want to shout it out. And, I mean, the a- something I've been noticing lately, and I noticed it on This Is Us, and I was noticing it on Yellow Jackets, when there are two actors playing the same part in different time periods, like a younger version and an older version, mm-hmm. they're characteristics the way that they speak it's so amazing how they work they must the actors must work together to like get some sort of same mannerisms and like mm. inflections and in and the way that they just are it, it's it's yeah. so believable that that is the younger version of this older character vice versa so shouting out yellow jackets Please watch it, but please know it is a little shocking.
0: <laughs> I Can't wait! It's on my yeah. It's like I was just telling you before I have a twenty page list, but um, it, it's on there. It might get bumped up a little higher because um, Jasmine Savoy Brown, who I was telling you was in Scream Five, was getting a great reviews for that show. So, and then she I saw her in Scream Five, and I'm yeah. like, oh my gosh, she was one of my favorite characters in Scream 5 so I was like I got oh it's not called Scream 5 Scream 2022 <laughs> but um <laughs> she was like one of my favorites in that so I was like I gotta I gotta see it so I'm yeah. bumping it up bump it up oh Sam did you finish <laughs> did you finish watching our favorite character on tv in the finale of, <laughs> of what just are you like talking that? about she oh Diaz. my
2: god no she I'm finger
0: bang Diaz <laughs>
2: No, I have to tell you, I'm behind on and just like that. I'm I'm a few episodes behind on that. So oh, gotta catch no spoilers, up. but I'm not
0: gonna spoil anything for you. Jay
2: finger bang DS. <laughs> <laughs> Jason, do you have anything you want to share about anything you've watched without giving me spoilers to end just like that?
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I just I just finished that because be at my group chat. We we watched that and, and we always like to um, comment on. <laughs> The antics of our favorite people on that show so Oof,
2: let me tell you something and uh, uh, yeah should That's we talk it. about our
0: guests yes
2: we should our, i'm so excited
0: me too this me is too. gonna
2: be a good one Ta- tell tell our listeners like how this is all jason's doing um, getting chad our guests today our guests our guest Guest. today is Chad (laughs) Hodge uh Hodge. why did I say it like that Jason what can you can you share a little bit about about why you wanted to get him on as a guest and how you went about it
0: yeah well I I mean it was I just slid in his dms but (laughs) I loved um single all the way I thought it was so funny and it was so like heartwarming and you know it was like uh a, a queer Christmas movie but there was like so much family and tradition and you know there was like a little Whitney Houston shout out y'all know how much I love Whitney Houston it was just great and it had such an all-star cast of like Catherine and Jimmy, Jennifer Coolidge, uh sorry Michael Yuri. so I just really enjoyed it and I was like I'm gonna reach out to him because I'm a writer and I just want to connect and see if he would be on the show and then uh he he entered i sent him a dm and asked him if he would be on it and he was like sure jason send me some times and i was like oh okay <laughs> that was you were like
2: boom yeah it's <laughs> so, so they great
0: samantha right away and then i was like okay and i was let's like get him on. Oh
2: should gosh, we tell yeah. let's tell everyone about him so then we can get him into the zoom please sure you start sure i would love to Chad Hodge is the writer and executive producer of the feature film Single All the Way, Netflix's first gay Christmas rom-com, which premiered on December 2nd, 2021, directed by Tony Award winner Michael Mayer. The film stars Michael Urie, Philemon Chambers, Luke Macfarlane, Kathy e. M.G. and Jennifer Coolidge. Hodge was the creator, showrunner, and executive producer of hit television drama series Good Behavior, for which he received a WGA Award nomination, Best Episodic Drama. This series, which streams on Hulu, stars Emmy Award nominee Michelle Dockery, Juan Diego Bado, Emmy Award winner Ann Dowd. I fucking love Ann Dowd. <laughs> and is based on the novels. Same. Oh my yeah. God. <laughs> Hello. Thank you. You
0: got to get her um, on the podcast.
2: Oh, yeah, I would <laughs> pass away. <laughs> and is based on the novels by New York Times bestselling author, excuse me, author Blake Crouch. Prior to Good Behavior, Hodge created and executive produced Wayward Pines, Fox, starring Academy Award nominee Matt Dillon, also based on a novel by Blake Crouch. Hodge also created the Playboy Club on NBC, starring Tony Award winner Laura Benanti and Runaway, CW, starring Donnie Wahlberg.
0: Hodge wrote the 2018 feature film The Darkest Mind for 20th Century Fox, starring Amanda Lustenberg, based on the New York Times bestselling book series by Alexandra Brackett. For the stage, Hodge co-wrote the book for the adaptation of Urban Berlin's Paramount Picture movie musical classic, Holiday Inn, which made his Broadway debut at Studio 54 at the Roundabout Theatre Company in the fall of 2016. He wrote and will direct the feature film, Anita, about singer and orange juice spokeswoman Anita Bryant, who rocketed the global attention as an outspoken opponent of gay rights in the 1970s. Hodge grew up in the suburbs of Chicago and graduated magna cum laude from Northwestern University with degrees in communication studies and business institutions. He lives in LA with his partner Rob and their dogs Frederick and Emmett.
2: Let's bring him into the Zoom.
0: Boom boom boom. Zoom zoom zoom.
2: (laughs) Chad hi welcome to Survival Jobs a podcast.
1: Thank you, thank you. We are I'm so happy to be here. Thanks so for having happy, me.
2: yes, of course. We are so thrilled. You know, I, uh, a lesson I learned from a friend of mine a long time ago was sometimes you just need to ask, just ask somebody, uh, and then and then it'll happen. And and I feel so lucky with you that Jason sent you a DM, and here we all are.
1: <laughs> <laughs> here we all are. I that's a, that's a great lesson. I learned that lesson once a long time ago. You just have to ask. Yeah. or someone can say is no. I mean, sure. I guess people can say worse things, but <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, they fully, they fully can. Yeah, so we're just thrilled. We love talking to different artists about their artistic career and you know the survival jobs that they've had to get there and maybe continue to have. So let's just jump right in, Jason, if you want to kick it off.
0: Yeah. So Chad, you've had such a dynamic and prolific career ranging from writing screenplays and developing TV shows, and you even made a Broadway musical. I was shocked by that when I was doing my research, but um, can you share a survival job story that you had in your journey that's positively impacted where you are today?
1: I actually do have a a pretty good story. I've I've told this a couple of times before, so I... um, when I first got to Los Angeles, I was a waiter. I, well, I I I moved here from Chicago. I was a waiter yes. many times in Chicago. I worked retail. I worked at waiting tables. I did all the, all that stuff. When I first was in Los Angeles, right after I graduated from college, I was a waiter at a restaurant uh, on Beverly Boulevard called Authentic Cafe, and I actually really loved waiting tables. Like if I if everything ended and I had to do something else, it, I would like. Like to go back to waiting tables, you know what I mean? Like, I did for yeah, some reason, I just, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not saying I, 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 that's what I want to happen, but I loved it. I always, I always had a great time. Whereas I hated retail, I hated like standing on the floor selling sweaters and stuff like that. Sure. My um, gosh, yeah. yeah, it was, it was like a game. It was fun. It was, I don't know, I liked it. But I was working at this restaurant, Authentic Cafe, and I've probably been working there for about a year and I had come to Los Angeles with like a screenplay in my backpack, you know, and ready to, you know, wanted to be a writer and all that. Um, And i was working at this restaurant and I actually, I really liked it. Like the people I worked with. And during the day, I'd be like, you know, hustling, sending emails. Will you read my screenplay? Trying to get meetings. And I had had a meeting maybe a couple of weeks beforehand with, someone who had, had also gone to Northwestern. I went to Northwestern in Chicago and uh, an alum of Northwestern. I kind of like emailed everyone who went to my college who I didn't That's know. That's connections. Yeah. Okay, you know, we meet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of people from Northwestern out here. Anyway. So I met this guy uh, who worked at NBC and he was really nice enough to meet me. And he said, you know, is there something you wrote, you've written that I can read? And I gave him my screenplay, which that was Let's see. That was probably ninety nine or two thousand. So it was definitely a hard copy of my screenplay. It wasn't. Let me email you. And I give him my screenplay, and like a week and a half later, I got a call. He said, "You know, I read it. I really like this." And I gave it to my boss, who really likes this. And we, and we gave it to NBC, who really likes this. And we have a pilot that uh, we're. Developing, and you know, we need. It's it's not in a great state, and we need to have it. We, we're looking for a writer to redo this pie, to rewrite this pilot. And can you come oh. in tomorrow? Can you yeah. come in and meet us tomorrow at four thirty? And I had a shift that next day, a dinner shift. Oh my gosh! Know? Yes. Yeah. Have you ever waited tables
2: together? Actually. Yeah,
1: we actually oh, worked okay. at the same restaurant. <laughs> okay.
2: <laughs> for you, so you
1: know. <laughs> yes. So you know that if you have a shift, you have a shift, and if you if you have to if you have to get out of it. You have to get someone to cover you, cover for mm-hmm. you. And if you can't get someone to cover for you, then you either have to come in or you get fired. Correct. Right. Basically. Correct.
2: correct.
1: Okay. <laughs> so this is, this is what happened. So I, you know, called all the other wait staff, everyone, and no one could cover for me. And I went to my manager and I was like, who's was also the owner of the restaurant, a nice guy. I you know, I told him the situation and he's like, look, like, he's like, I feel for you, man. But like, I, if I give a special exception to you, like, you know, then the next time this happens to someone else, like I can't, you can go to the meeting, but I'll have to fire you. I'm not mad about it, but that's just what's going to happen. Or you, you know, you got to find someone or pay someone or whatever. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I couldn't find someone to cover for me. And so it came down to, okay, do I ask if I can like go to this meeting at a different time? Like, can we reschedule this meeting at NBC? But I'm like 20, I was like 23 years old. Like, and also No, like, I'm not going to like, they want me to be there at 4.30. Like, so I just took, I was like, all right, I'm just going to get fired. And if nothing comes out of this meeting, that's what's going to happen. And so I just chose that path. And I went to that meeting at NBC and I, you know, of course I let the manager know at the restaurant. I was like, I'm not going to be there, but you know, (laughs) and that meeting turned into uh, what became the first show that I created sort of developed I, you know someone else had written wow. that first screenplay but that show uh, we ended up I, I rewrote that i got that job i rewrote that pilot we made that pilot and then that show got on the air and was on the air for a year and then i became the lowest level writer on the staff of that show because i didn't know what i was doing in terms of running a tv show at that point but what? It, it worked out that's my survival job story
2: by the way 23 years old that is fierce a that's my first takeaway from that story B. i might have been
1: 24. it was 23 or 24. still
2: i it. was like running around new york city at 24 like with my head between my legs see do you hear new york city beeping outside the window
1: i hear it i hear it
2: also i would like to make a comment that all of those other servers were lying why what the hell was everybody <laughs> doing that nobody could cover your ship 100 yeah they were jealous that you had a big meeting at NBC. okay <laughs> do you just like you said jason and i worked in hospitality for years people not all of those staff members were busy yeah
0: It'd yeah great no, but how incredible you had that like that bravery to take that chance right because i mean it could have went the other way unfortunately but you were like no i'm gonna i'm gonna step out on faith and like trust myself and I'm going to do this. I'm going to
1: go see this opportunity. Yeah. That was like, sort of looking back, I sort of still can't believe I had that moment. I, I don't know what lightning bolt struck me or something. Cause, cause I sort of, I remember thinking, well, 90%, there's a 90% chance or more that this is not going to work out. And I'm going to be, I'm going to be out of a job and not have a TV show. I mean, like, as if the odds were in my favor <laughs> of like getting a TV show on the air from this one. But, um, but I just thought, well, if i don't go to this meeting and then this doesn't happen i'm just going to kick myself the whole time so um, so i so i just knew that i had to do that and uh, and back then i don't know how it is now I'm trying to get a you know it seems everyone's hiring these days but back then it was really hard to get a job waiting tables in los angeles like a good one it was really competitive you had to have like a resume yeah. and lie about you had to lie like about where you'd worked <laughs> and I, I mean it was it was really intense
2: i lied on my resume as soon as I stepped foot in New York City, I got a <laughs> serving job and I was like, yes, I have served here, here, here. And then I ended up like spilling trays of drinks on people because I had yes. no idea what I was doing. Wow. <laughs> my I- friend,
1: my I was talking to my friend the other day. She was saying how she, she got hired as a manager. This is like 15, 20 years ago as a manager at Abercrombie, like back in the day when and she completely lied. She had had zero retail experience and got hired as a manager.
0: At
2: Abercrombie, and Abercrombie Abercrombie, fifteen years ago was a way different vibe. Yeah, it's very different. You Uh... know what I'm saying? (laughs) I love that story so much. Do you have a like an opposite, like a a horrible survival job story, maybe before even from your Chicago days?
1: Yeah, this is horrible in a way, and also, yeah, I was a waiter at a at a different restaurant in in Chicago in, in Highland Park, Illinois, which is where I grew up. And it was like a breakfast place. And I uh I I think I was a host there. Yeah, I wasn't a waiter. I was a host and I like was the cashier and all that stuff. Uh, but hosting remember- is
0: the worst. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the worst. And I remember I remember kind of like not liking this place that much anyway. But I at one this is a long time ago, let me be clear. I think I was in high school. I was like 18, maybe 17, 18. And I went back into the kitchen and I saw the manager like. Trying to like feel up one of the waitresses like under her like skirt and she was like yelling at him and smacking like kind of like get out get off me whatever and I was like yeah I'm out of here I was like I I, I just did not like that guy and I was like this is gross and I I just yeah I was like this is not not a good environment and I I kind of like gave it to him and I was like this is anyway that's not really a, a story story it's just like this moment I remember of being I'm not going to tolerate this and i don't need to Mm -hmm. be here and i'm going to quit right now so those are both quitting job quitting stories i guess in a way but for very different reasons
2: but for like you had to quit for i had to quit stories
1: yeah yeah it was it was it was was pretty bad this was a place where the the waitresses were like i don't want to say career waitresses but they were you know women in their 20s and 30s who this is this was like their job you know this was like this was like uh they've been there for five seven years like this was what they did and it was it was sort of a, a life a place and um I just didn't want to be around it and didn't want to see it and I felt bad for those ladies yeah
2: to, to to just comment on something you said earlier that has nothing to do with the story you just told but I would like to make this <laughs> comment I also yeah. love that you said like you loved being a waiter and I think that's really nice especially for like a lot of our listeners to hear. We have a lot of listeners who are aspiring artists that are all waiters. And so to look at your, you know, survival job in like a positive way and try to look at the bright side of things, like being a server doesn't suck that bad when you're like in a good place. So I love that you said that.
1: I think it just depends like what, how your, how your brain works, what you like, you know, I really liked being a waiter because it was Sort of like I think I said, it's like a it was like a game. It's like okay, how much money can I make tonight? How much can I sort of work it? And, and you know, it wasn't like I was going to make the same eight dollars an hour or whatever I would make working at Club yeah. Monaco. You know, um, I worked at the Club Monaco. I worked at lots of oh places. Gosh. Like that. I worked at Nordstrom. Nordstrom was fun. Actually, it was a little more fun because they paid commission. The uh, at the gap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <no>. six years. <laughs> But so, no, but I liked it because it was different people, different, you know, people were assholes, of course, and some, a lot of people weren't assholes, but it was like, how much can I make, it was like playing, I I just looked at it as playing a game and uh, every night and, and it was, you know, you go home with how much money, depending on how you did, you know, so. It's kind of fun. And you're just on your feet yeah. and you're thinking and you, you, you don't have a, you don't, you, you don't have time to really sit there and think Oh, how much this sucks or stand around or you, you're just busy, busy, busy. It's quick. If it's a busy,
0: yeah, it goes yeah. By yeah. fast. Yeah. Well, we read on your Wikipedia page that you studied theater in college and you yes. did a lot of musicals when you were younger. You were Jesus in gospel. I was Judas in gospel when I was younger. So I was oh, like, oh, yes. It's a good okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but you um, have that voice. Oh, my God. Uh, mm-hmm. i used to i haven't sang in a long time so. yeah <laughs> <laughs> we won't ask each other uh, to sing
2: yeah, yeah yeah exactly no singing <laughs> on this podcast
0: <laughs> that's hilarious <laughs> but um so i guess how did you transition from wanting to pursue acting to hmm. wanting to do screenwriting because you, you came to la with a, a script already in your pocket
1: yeah so i was an actor in high school i loved it i you know, did all the musicals, like you said, I was, I was Jesus in Godspell, I was a leading player in Pippin, I was (laughs) Seymour on Chapa Horse, I I loved it, Um, and I applied to Northwestern as a theater major, and the summer between my senior year of high school and my freshman year of college, I interned uh, at a talent agency down in downtown Chicago, because I wanted, I was looking for a talent agency to rep me, like to, you know, send me out on commercial auditions and whatever, and No one would really rep me. And I said, well, how about I, I, at this one agency? It was called Cunningham Escott Depini C E D. I CED. I think it still exists in some form in New York, but um, uh-huh. I, I saw a sign on the wall that said summer intern needed. And they had said like, yeah, no, we're, you know, we'll, we'll get back to you about, you know, repping you bubble. Blah, blah, blah. I said, well, how about I be your summer intern? And then you can just send me out on stuff if it makes sense. And they were like, all right, great. So I was a summer intern at this, um, Talent agency, and it was only three, three agents and me. I was, I was at the front desk. I did all, everything. I gave out paychecks. I, I mean, scheduled voiceover auditions. I, you know, we we had a voiceover audition uh, studio in the in the agency. Oh, wow. And sh- Chicago, you guys, neither of you is from Chicago, right? Originally, like
0: no,
1: the East Coasters. Chicago is really big with the ad agency world and commercials and all that stuff. So that's where a lot of the work is for actors and stuff in Chicago. And the voiceover actors would come in all day long for their voiceover, uh, to, to tape their voiceover auditions and sit in the waiting area where I sat. And all day long they'd be like, if there is anything else you want to do with your life, you should do something else. Like <laughs> they were like wow. all mis- they were like all miserable and blah, blah, blah. And I'm only like 18 and I'm like, oh, that sucks, you know? And um, I actually probably got sent out on one or two things that summer as an actor myself. And and this is sort of the I don't want to say the sad part, but the sort of well, I'll just tell you. So, I, I like I said, I gave out paychecks. And so I would say there were probably 350 clients or so of that agency. And and, um, and out of the 350, this was before direct deposits. So there were literal paychecks that I would give yeah. out. Like, you know, people would come pick, the <laughs> actors would come pick them up. Out of all those clients, out of 350, I would say there were maybe like three people who were making more than like $50,000 a year. And I was like, "Mm."
0: You're like, that's
1: not super interesting to me. But also it's, I mean, for me to have made the decision I made based on just that information is is a little bit, you know, looking back, I mean, it was kind of ridiculous. But on the first, so I had gotten into Northwestern as a theater major. On the first day of freshman year, I switched my major to radio, TV, film. I never liked acting after that, yeah. And let me let me also say this, just to qualify it. I was a good actor and I had a good voice, but I was not great and I knew it. And I had a lot of friends who were great and a lot of friends who had great voices and they were like, you know, they were going to Carnegie Mellon and they were going to, you know, Tish. And like, I, they were, I was like, yeah. I'm, I'm okay at this, but I don't think this is gonna like, this isn't where I'm like going, going. And there was a lot of other stuff I wanted to do. So then I um, was a radio TV film major at, at Northwestern for a year. And then I transferred out of that because I wasn't super into that department. And I did communication studies and business and then found my way back to to writing sort of yeah. a little, bit late, little later in my college career. So, yeah.
2: Good for you for being uh. that smart when you were 18.
1: <laughs> I don't know how. I don't, like, I don't know.
2: Like, I feel, I feel like a lot of actors don't have that light bulb moment until they're 30. <laughs> you know like well, that's a, that's listen cool.
1: i love actors most of my best friends are actors i you know i love working with actors i you know obviously i used to be an actor i just had some sense that this wasn't what i was meant to do and that like there were some signs that i saw that summer that were like flashing like at me that i was like all right maybe i should listen to this whether but there i, I there is another way to tell that story which is sort of like the and as, as an 18 year old kid i like followed the advice of like three depressed people and some paychecks, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. <laughs> three <depressed Whatever>.
2: <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, got to follow Who advice knows? from someone and those yeah, are the people exactly. in your face, right? Well, look, it all, it all worked out, right?
1: It all worked out.
2: Um, I know you said earlier that you've got that, that NBC job and that was sort of like your first TV show. Mm-hmm. Would you consider that your first like big Hollywood break or is there something else that happened where you were mm-hmm. like oh wow i don't i don't need to struggle or hustle anymore like this has happened
1: That's a really good question. I think I do consider that my big Hollywood break now, because once you get one job, once you get one thing, it is much easier to get the next thing and the next thing. Now, was that the show that I would say is like my career defining show? No, it's like, that's not the thing I look back on and go, wow, that's like when I knew I've made it. No, because you know, yes, I rewrote that pilot, but then I didn't really know what I was doing. I became the lowest level writer on the staff. And then I learned how to write television with all the other uh, more experienced writers who were hired to work on that show. Um, And the showrunner who was hired to run that show. And then I, uh, after that, I got a job as a staff writer on a one hour drama. So that was a half hour uh, single camera comedy on the Saturday morning teen block, that first show. It was kind of like in that at the end of that saved by the bell hang time era at the, at the end of that, it was like one of the last ones of those shows. So Uh, I, uh, that's, you know, that's not really most of this, like I don't write that kind of stuff mostly, but I learning how to write story and learning how to structure television, it doesn't matter if you're doing a a comedy, a drama, those, those, uh, storytelling and writing tool, that toolkit, you learn to, uh, what you need to accumulate, how you need to break story, how you need to do act breaks if you're doing that, all that stuff I learned doing that show. And in terms of being a break, uh, uh, I still view it as my big break because once once you're in, and I was so lucky too. I mean, I was so young and, and getting in like that, once you're in, it's just easier to get the next thing. and. Well, after that, it's easier to get the next thing and the next thing. My first show that I created, I was only able to do that because I had had that experience. You know, I wrote on two more shows that other people had created after. The first one was called All About Us, just so we're not talking generalities. The first one was a show called All yeah. About Us. This, The second show I wrote on was a show called um, Veritas, The Quest. It was on ABC. It was like a young <laughs> Indiana, young Indiana. Jones I remember day. that. Yeah, you do. <laughs> Wow, Jason. Um, wow. And then the third show I wrote on was a show called True Calling with Eliza Dushku on Fox. Yeah. Yeah. Faith
0: from, a... uh, from Buffy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, and I had written a couple of episodes of True Calling that the studio really liked, I guess, because after that they said, hey, do you want to, we'd like to offer you a deal to, to start creating your own shows. So then I had to deal with them and uh, then I had to deal with Sony. And uh, so anyway, one thing led to another, led to another, led to another. And I just kept writing and writing and writing. And by the way, between all these things that I was writing on, I was also writing a lot of stuff on my own movies or this or that, trying to get these things made. None of them got made. So just so everyone knows, it's not like it's all like, oh, everything I tried to do worked out. Like there's lots of stuff that uh, I wrote during that time that never saw the light of day but I would never have uh, you know I created my first show that actually got on the air when I was 29 which I would never have been able to do had I not had those six years of experience writing and and learning how to craft story and and all that so yeah
0: that's pretty amazing it's so inspiring
1: it was, it was also a different time. Let me, let me say that was, I mean, it was a long, I mean, I'm dating myself, obviously, but you know, this was, mm-hmm. I started my career in 2000, 2001. So it was, you know, 20, mm-hmm. 21, 22 years ago.
2: Wow. Um, Old. <laughs> you
1: know, no. Yeah, you look amazing.
2: So whatever. Um, that's.
0: <laughs> Chad, I think I got a lot of writing classes and a piece of advice that I always seem to get up often is to like kind of write and stay in your wheelhouse when you're first starting out kind of like write in a specific genre that you can like say oh I have something else in my back pocket like if they like something of your first but you've written so many different types of things from like thrillers to sci-fi I think you had like a noir kind of drama and of course a holiday movie so like how do you navigate writing multiple genres I
1: guess it's the storytelling right knowing the storytelling beats what is your writing process like? I am so glad you asked that question. I was actually just, um, I'm trying to be better about posting stuff on like Instagram about writing and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I've, I always want to talk about is, is that exact question. Um, I i don't, I hate it when people say, oh, you know, you if you wrote one thriller, then all all you can write is thrillers. You should stay in that lane, like stay in your thriller lane or stay in your comedy lane or stay in your sci-fi lane or whatever. A lot of people do that. And by the way, let me say, if you are a sci-fi writer and all you want to write is sci-fi, fantastic. You know what I mean? Great. Like write what you want, you know, i sure, personally, yeah. personally, for me, I like switching it up. I really like doing thrillers. I like doing comedies. I like sci-fi. I like, uh, Romance. I like, you know, I sort of like watching all these things and I like writing all these things. You know, there's some genres that aren't that, that I, you know, I'm never, I'm not a horror person really. I don't think I would ever get into that. But yeah. I, whatever I like watching, I like writing. So I like to switch it up. It keeps me on my toes. It keeps it interesting for me. It keeps me, uh, you know, I have a, I have like we all do i have a serious side i have you know a funny side i have a this side that side and so i like (laughs) to explore all that in my writing and i will say you know a, a lot of people in this industry most people stay in in their lane quote unquote you know you know that if like and again, it's not a bad thing. It's probably a better thing, you know. In in some ways, in terms of careers, uh, you know, you can make that argument. Like, if you're if Nancy Myers is going to write and direct a movie, you pretty much know what you're going to get, right? Like, and I love Nancy Myers movies. And if you <laughs> are going to watch um, Eli Roth, you know, you pretty much know you're going to get yeah. or this, that, and the other. And so, and th- so, there's something to be said for branding yourself in that way. I mean, there's, you know, there's a whole, I could make the argument for staying in your lane in terms of branding yourself and making yourself known as one thing. I personally find it just more interesting to 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 bounce around and, and write in, in, in different genres. And my point of view on it really is that to me, uh, good writing, good characters, good story structure. Like I said, you know, maybe this comes from how I learned to write on that show, which was a half hour teen comedy. And then the next show I wrote on was a, was a uh, Indiana Jones type drama. To me, the bones of writing are all the same, no matter what you're writing character, story structure, it's all the same. It's the, it's the icing on top. That's different. And, but, but, but if you know how to write, if you know how to write a, uh, a rom-com, you know how to write a thriller. It's just all about what you, you know, what are using sea salt or kosher salt or, whatever you know what I mean? it's like <laughs> I on I love
0: that love that so much thank, well,
2: you, thank you for sharing <laughs>
1: yeah
0: yeah that
2: was awesome I like that the frosting on top is just a different flavor yeah. You, yeah yeah and it's true I feel like yeah. that that's a similar parallel with like acting right it's like the same idea like if you Know if you have the tools and the and the technique and you've studied and you've learned, like you should be able to slip in and out of whatever comes your way. Yes. I would like to talk about Wayward Pines,
0: Mm. which
2: for full transparency, see in the background. I do see it in the background for full transparency. I had never watched the show today. I watched the pilot to like get in like my vibe and like I, uh, now i'm like why can't he leave what is happening <laughs> who is this woman i'm i'm now like ready to binge yes. so thank you i'm so excited um get into
1: it yeah. yeah are you watching oh, on hulu
2: yes i am yeah. i'm about yeah. to get so into it and let me tell you this is <laughs> my kind of a show as jason can can confirm so i am ready to dive in um, Good. But,
1: oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Cool. So,
2: thank you. You know, I don't think I would have discovered this show should you not have come onto our show. So, look at look at life, guys. There you go. Life. Yes. <laughs> so, the pilot was directed by M. Night Shyamalan, which is a pretty major deal. So, can you talk a little bit about the process of of that whole show, from writing it to pitching it, and then getting him on board, and 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 just if you could share what that whole experience was like. Um, from the research I did it seems like it was a hit is a hit
1: it was a hit yes it was a hit so um, I you know like I said I was in television uh, Well, I have been in television for a long time but I I had let's see I had created two shows at the point that I had there was a movie producer who I was friends with socially mostly and um, his name was Donald DeLine and he wanted to get into doing TV series and so he would he would you know said oh what about this idea what about that idea and da, da, da. and this was this was just before the world of movies and tv started really becoming this was the beginning of of the of tv and movies starting to merge the it world merged, right it, in hollywood i'm sure you guys know this, like the world of television the world of movies was and still is to some degree completely different totally different people meaning like the executives like the producers who produce movies are different from the producers Mm -hmm. who produce television series and you know all that yeah now it's obviously starting now it's definitely almost completely merged but this was the beginning of that and he was uh, Donald DeLine a very big movie producer very very big and he wanted to get into television and so he would call and pitch me ideas and pitch me ideas and I remember my agent said "Mm," he goes Tell Donald he doesn't really mean anything in television unless he brings you a piece of property, like a book, like something that he has, yes. like something he doesn't <laughs> like he's not offering anything unless he's bringing you something, you know, because he doesn't. He, I mean, and this is what I laughed when he said that because Donald DeLion could not be a bigger movie. There's the biggest one of the biggest movies producers of all time. Anyway, so I told him, you need to bring me a book. So he brought me book after book after book. And he sent me this book called Wayward Pines before it had been published. And it was like a, an ARC copy, like an advanced reader copy of this book. And I sat down and read that book and did not get up until it was finished. Until I was finished. I was like, so hooked. I was like, Samantha, like you, I was like, why can't this guy get out of this town? What's going on? Yeah, exactly. And I just tore through that thing. And I called up Donald and I said, I know exactly how to do this. I'm going to write this. We're going to do this. We're going to make this show. And I'll write it on spec. Just forget it. I'll just write it. I was like, do you have the rights to the book? And he said, yeah. And I said, okay, I'm just going to write it. I'm just going to write the pilot. And then we're going to send out the pilot. And he, as a producer, he was like, great. Like, because I was basically offering <laughs> to write it for free. Free. You know, yeah. I was like, I'm just, I was like, let's not go out and pitch this and get someone to pay me to write it. And because I just, when I read the book, he loved I knew, it, it, it so much. That, I just loved it so much. And also I saw exactly how I wanted the, how the pilot could work. I mean, I literally wrote in the copy of that uh, book, I wrote like, this should be the uh, halfway through the pilot. This should be the end of the pilot. Like I knew exactly sort of what I wanted to do and rearranged a couple of things and this, that, and the other. I wrote that pilot script, the first draft of it in three weeks and I called, I talked to the author a couple of times, Blake Crouch, who has now become one of my best friends, because I was like, what does this mean? What does that mean? What does this mean? I need to know what that <laughs> means. And, um, and I wrote that pilot and we went out with that script, uh, to my my agents that you know we should attach a director to this before we go out with it if we can get someone great and uh he he had the idea to send it to M. Night Shyamalan and uh so we did and he loved the script and maybe a week later Donald Deline and I were on a plane to Philadelphia to meet M. Night Shyamalan at his wow. house. Yeah. Yes. We had a great meeting. It was crazy. It was like, you know, I, but I remember my agent had said, just to back up a second, my agent said like, why would you write this on spec? We can get someone to, you know, we, we could sell this and someone will pay you to pay you to write it. I was like, yeah, but then I have to come up with the whole pitch and explain what this is to everybody. Cause no one will have read the book and I have to go, well, this happens and then this happens. I'm just going to write it and everyone can see yeah. it. And that's been my, that is still to this day, my favorite way of selling a show, just write it. And so, you know, so the, so the buyer can read it and see what it is. And if they, if it's something they want to do awesome. And if it's not something they want to do, then I don't have to go drive across town and meet with them. (laughs) But, um, (laughs) but uh, well, used to be before zoom, but, um,
0: but anyway, yeah.
1: And so that's how M night Shyamalan got, uh, got on board and, and, we then 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 we went out and sent that script to all the buyers in town, to all the networks, and met with anyone who anyone who read the script and wanted to know more. Then we met with them, and I told them, okay, and this is where the story goes, and this is what the show is, and all that. And and obviously uh, M Night Shyamalan was in those meetings too, and talked about his vision for uh, what it would look like and feel like, and the tone, and and how he would direct it, and and we sold it to Fox. That's incredible.
0: I got to meet him once. He's such a nice, like, genuine person.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. He's my gosh. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: How amazing. We had a lot of fun. Read that, and you were like, I know what this is. Like, I'm sure I dabble in writing. I wouldn't call myself a writer, but I'm sure, like, that inspiration and seeing that and knowing exactly what it's going to be is so, I don't know the word, fulfilling, exciting. Like, the way you just talked about that, I was like, (gasps) oh. Oh, fun. (laughs) Like that's fun. It's fun.
1: It was really fun. It was so fun. And you know, writing is really hard. And I, I, a lot Mm -hmm. of times as, as all of us, all writers do, like you look for any excuse, like I will vacuum my entire house. If I have to write a script, like if I have something to do, I have a lot of other things to do. I have to vacuum. (laughs) I have laundry. I have, you know, I have to make croissants. I have, you know, I have, I'm busy. Um, But that was, (laughs) I was like, I wanted to do nothing except write that script and that happens Mm -hmm. every now and then, but, but that's rare. And I, 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 when I, like I said, Donald Deline, that producer had sent me many, several books before Wayward Pines and I'd be like, yeah, I don't know, you know, and this one just, clicked, you know, and uh, you know, so I just followed that feeling, I guess, and went with it. And I had a, a blast writing it and we had a blast making that show and, and that show was um, that show was uh, designed to be a begin- uh, ten episodes, beginning, middle, end. Um, mm-hmm. And there were two other two more books that Blake had written. Well, actually, at that point, he had only written one more book. It was called Pines, which was going to be the sequel. And then he was about to start writing the third book, which was uh, the final book in the series. And all three of those books. Uh, Uh, I used, we used it for for the content of that season of uh, of Wayward Pines season one. So that was a beginning, middle end. It was marketed as this is like a limited series. It's uh, 10 episodes. That's it. And it became, uh, it was a hit. It was, you know, it was a pretty big hit and they wanted a a second season. I, I was like, I mean the story is over yeah (laughs) (laughs) like i don't i don't know what you want uh... i don't know what you want it (laughs) to be i like i really create for creatively did not think there was anywhere else to go um of course you know as a writer if you have to you can i you could come up with something you know but i just was like but what do you mean this whole thing has been marketed as beginning middle end limited series 10 episodes that's it but of course you know money so they wanted more they wanted a second season at that point, I had already sold my next series, which was also based on a, a series of books by Blake Crouch, the same author of Wayward Pines, um, wow. which is called Good Behavior, and I had sold that. So I did not do the second season of Wayward Pines. They um, some uh, a different uh, another writer was brought in to be the writer showrunner of that season, um, and yeah, so so, so we can season, just finish. I finish. I can vouch for season one of Wayward Pines. Yeah, I'm <laughs> only start watching to episode ten. One.
0: Just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. But, thanks for, but thanks for thanks for thanks for watching the show, Samantha. I mean, oh, if you you know, if you, I'm you will to find be- out what's going on. Oh no, yeah. I
2: have to. i mean, I'll be. I will email you next week, and I'll be done. This is what happens. Okay, <laughs> I'm
1: like, will. I
2: need to know. And I'll stay up until <laughs> one or two in the morning, even if I have to get up at seven a.m. because I'm a lunatic.
1: Totally, yeah. I have a lot of friends who wake up early to watch TV. You're not the only one, by oh. the way.
2: Oh, see, I stay up late to watch TV. I oh, do so oh, oh, like, wake it. up okay. at seven for my survival job. Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> you know Which I mean? is what? Oh, I'm literally working right now. Uh, I, I like I have my laptop, if you keep seeing me look to the side, just making sure that I like keep it alive so they think I'm logged on. <laughs> um, I, I work for like a staffing agency remotely. Um, oh, cool. just like hospitality staffing. It's good because Got I it. have the flexibility like while I'm working, right? And I have the flexibility to do my creative stuff while um, getting my paycheck. So it's awesome. not too shabby.
0: Well, Single All The Way was a huge hit on Netflix. I think it was top 10 over like 40 countries and you guys just got a glad nomination for outstanding TV movie.
1: Congratulations, so congratulations on that. Thank you. Uh, thank you. I'm so happy about that. That's very, very flattered. Huge. Very yeah. And that's kind of how I discovered
0: you was because I saw that and I was like, Oh my gosh, like a gay Christmas movie on Netflix. And it was like with a <laughs> black lead. I was like, Oh my God, watching this. And then I just fell in love with it. It was like, happy oh. and Jimmy, and, yes. you know, it was you had the Whitney, like joy to the world scene. I was like, oh, my gosh, you got my favorite singer in there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, uh Jennifer Coolidge is in there. Like, it was perfect. It was perfect. It was joyful. It was funny. Oh, Thank um, you. Yeah. And I did research where this idea came from, but I don't think everyone knows. So can you talk to us about that process of writing it and then getting it produced?
1: So I uh back in the back in like the first 10 years of my career, I guess I had written a couple of romantic comedies for ABC Family, uh, th- which is now Freeform. And um, yeah. one uh, and the guy who produced those movies, uh, one of them was called um, This Time Around and the other one was called I Want to Marry Ryan Banks, which now you can still watch mm-hmm. on Amazon, I think, but it's called The Reality of Love. By the way, it, it's starring oh. none, of, none other than Bradley Cooper. Um, yes, before yeah, The Hangover, right? right before the hangover yeah um anyway so so the guy who produced those two movies was uh is is a guy named joel rice so he called me like three three years ago now i guess and he said and we hadn't you know done any movies in between and i said and he said how would you like to write the first uh netflix's first gay christmas rom-com and i was like what like yes, please. I would love You're to. Like, do that. Yes,
2: big yes, duh. <laughs>
1: yes, I was like, I would. Oh my god, like I would jump at the chance to do that. That is huge and amazing. And where do I sign up? So he said, he said, you know. So what we did was, I I, I came up with two ideas. Uh, actually, I probably came up with like four or five ideas, but we narrowed it down to yeah. two <laughs> ideas that I that I brought into Netflix to pitch them and say, like, you know, here's one idea and here's another idea. And um, they really loved both of those, uh, both of the ideas. And it took them like three weeks to decide which one they wanted to do. But one of them was obviously the movie that became single all the way. And uh, so that is how that happened. And then they, uh, you know, then I wrote that movie and then they greenlit that movie. I mean, it, it very much oh. stayed the, you know, almost, you know, very, very true to the original pitch. And I remember after I pitched it, and they, you know, my deal was done and whatever. And then, then, they officially commenced me to start writing it. I made a list of all the things I would want to see in in a gay Christmas rom com. Like, what would what do I personally want to see in in this movie? For sure. And and, uh, and 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 this is all the icing, the fun stuff. Like, you know, the thing, the story that I pitched them was like, I don't know, like a three or four page. Like, this is the general. This is what happens. This is what happens. Um, and then I was like, so I just made a list of like Whitney Houston, something like Jennifer yes. Coolidge. You know, I was like, I want I, Jennifer Coolidge needs to be in this movie. So like, I I wrote up I wrote that part for Jennifer Coolidge, which is something that I do not advise. I I don't recommend ever writing <laughs> a role for one actor specifically who you don't know is definitely going to do your movie because it's like <laughs> okay, like good luck. You know, yeah. Like, yeah like I had I've never done that before and I don't know if I'll ever do it again but like that I was like I'm just gonna write this for Jennifer Coolidge and hopefully she'll do it and if she doesn't then I'll just rewrite the role for someone else you know yeah and uh this just this whole list of of stuff that I wanted to see stuff that yeah and what I really wanted it to feel like and 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 I really like happy to say, like, ticked all those boxes, you know, like, I didn't want it to be about coming out. I didn't want it to be, I didn't want there to be a homophobic family involved. I didn't want it to be a lot of the things that a lot of LGBTQ movies are. And that's not to say those are are good that, you know, listen, that's part of our, our, our stories are often stories of struggle and stories of oppression and stories of homophobia and stories of, you know, dying and lots of things. But for a, this a gay Christmas rom com, I was like, if I was twelve, if I was seventeen, if I was what, and I was watching this movie, like what? And I, could, I'm writing it. I can, I can put anything I want in here, like what, what, what do I want to see? And so that's the movie that I wrote.
0: I love that so much. It's super and, fun, and, how, and that's like similar to what I've heard like Issa Rae say about like writing like black content, where she's like, mm-hmm. isn't everything is to have to be like this immense struggle for black people? It can just be like black people being. And that's why, I, yeah. that's why I really enjoyed single All The Way so much because it was just like, you know, it was queer representation and it wasn't like all this other stuff that, of course, that happens and of course it's real, but we don't need it in every story.
1: Yeah, we don't need it in every story. And, you know, like, I had struggles of coming out and all that and but my family is very you know, I'm so super lucky. Like, most of my family has been is really accepting and some of them took longer than others, but, you know. Is your overall, mom like
0: Christmas Carol? <laughs>
1: my... Christmas Girl is like a combination of I've actually my stepmom and my mom. Aww. It's like yeah, they're like it's it's yeah. like a, my, my stepmom is is the woman who has all the signs around her house, the, the painted like <laughs> yes, live, laugh, love, you know so all that good. stuff. Yeah, yeah, so I right. love the sleigh um, queen.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, sleigh queen. Yeah, so <laughs> I, that's yeah, that's for sure her. And, but, but she's not a meddler like Christmas Carol is. She's not like a, let me fix you up with my yeah. type person. That's more my mom, my mom, mom. Um, but, but my family has been very accepting and also, you know, but any, any real struggle I had with being gay was, was when I was much younger. And I think that's true for a lot of people. And this mm. is a story about adults who, you know, are, are that, that part of their gay journey is, is, behind them and it's like now they're you know, it's about falling in love and and uh finding true love and your family and you know it's not a it's not not about being gay it's about being gay but a different chapter in, in your life in, in in the life of a game oh for or, sure you know? yeah
2: yeah let me tell you I, like I had covid like right after thanksgiving so prime time <laughs> single all the way was released and i watched yeah. it three times and cried <laughs>
0: I was Thank like, you. oh,
2: my God, like, this is going to happen for me. Like, it's, oh. it's I'm like, wh- and I'm in my head. I'm like, who are my friends that maybe I'm in love with? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'm only friends. All my friends are gay boys. Uh, so I don't think I'm yeah. going to have sex with any of them <laughs>
1: that's really funny that's really yeah. funny but some of my favorite there were like all these tiktok videos going around of, of women like st- straight women like like taking videos of their husbands or boyfriends crying at the end of single all the way it was so fun like these of all these like manly men like crying at the end i of love
0: that
2: yeah. yeah. <laughs> amazing well thank you for sharing and we have a few more questions and then yeah. we're going to play a really fun game so we just talked about you know you wrote this story of a gay couple and so as an openly gay creator do you think hollywood is doing enough to be more inclusive in queer representation and do you feel like you're a part of it of, of it becoming more of a normal thing we see.
1: I mean, in my experience so far, you know, it, it's always been a struggle, like queer content. It's never been hard to have the gay friend character or, you know, the sidekick and all that. But it's, you know, I feel like it's long overdue to have, you know, it's a, listen, I'm so grateful and I'm so excited and had the best time doing single all the way. But I, it, to me, it feels like this should have happened years ago. Like I, I it's 2020 one you know when this movie came out you know but so but they but they are doing more and more and you know it's becoming more just more mainstream i mean the fact that single all the way was on netflix which is obviously has the biggest reach of any streamer obviously and we were the number two movie in the u.s at one point and the number five globally in the world in i never remember the exact number but it's something like 200 something countries or you know but it's uh That's crazy. You know, and, and a lot of those countries are places where it's, it's not okay to be gay still. And like, people are able to see this movie and to have that reach and to have this movie go that far. And the messages that I received from people all around the world of just like, thank you for this. And, you know, I've never, I I was able to watch this movie with my family and it wasn't like some, you know, uh, Movie that they couldn't watch. I mean, this was for like everybody to see, and you know, you don't get to be the number two movie on Netflix by by with only a gay audience. So you know, something I definitely wanted was like everybody to be able to see this because I've been watching straight rom coms for my entire life, and I like them. I like those movies. Like, I like when Harry Met Sally. I like you know The Holiday. <laughs> I like Notting Hill. Like, ah,
2: The Holiday. Oh,
1: yes, so good. It's like so you know, um, I just didn't want this movie to feel like an indie gay film that's only for that only gay people understand or whatever but at the same time I wanted it to feel legit to a gay audience like yes that is me that is my friends that is how that is how we talk that is our mm-hmm. those are our references I get to see Jennifer Coolidge I get to hear Whitney Houston <laughs> there's some Madonna jokes in there you know like stuff yeah. like that um I forgot what your question was I'm rambling now what was that (laughs)
2: Uh um do you think that Hollywood is is making the turn to be more inclusive to the queer community
1: they are for sure I I feel that um and you know there's so many LGBTQ like film festivals and things like that and and I know that all the streamers and all the networks are trying to do more of that stuff. Like how much of it actually ends up getting made? You know, I'm not in that decision-making chair. I'm also speaking from the point of view of someone who wrote the first gay Christmas movie on Netflix. So in a way, I'm sure there's lots of people out there who are like, this is super, (laughs) super hard. I don't think it's super easy. I don't think it's like next year there's going to be four gay Christmas rom coms on Netflix. No, I've found it very hard. You know, there's some, stuff. I have a movie that I wrote, 10 years ago for HBO about Anita Bryant. Do you know who she is?
2: I don't. I just want to be oh. honest. I did so, see No, no, no. It's okay. <laughs> Anita,
1: Anita, Anita Bryant is, um, she she was basically, uh, she was a singer and sort of a, a Christian activist. And she came out against this in, in Florida, tried to get, uh, this law came out that basically made it, you, you can't fire someone for being, you know for for being a woman for for you know for being old too old too young and then they added sexual orientation to this basically a housing and hiring law like you can't fire someone for being gay you can't whatever yeah and she came out against this she was basically a huge a big anti-gay rights crusader and it, it you know she's the enemy of, of the gay world essentially. <laughs> and I wrote a movie I met with her, uh, for three days and I, I, I did a tons of research and I wrote this movie for HBO about Anita Bryant. It never got made. And I've been trying to get it made ever since. And, you know, it's a slice of, it's a sl- slice of gay history. It's about this unlikable woman. It's a, it's a, but it is literally why we are where we are today in terms of so many things, you know, I mean, I don't know if you saw that there's this, um, do, don't say gay law that they're trying to pass in now Florida forth, right, right? Same yeah and stuff same bs you know same Disgusting. Stuff. Yeah. anyway but it, it has not been I, I I still haven't made that movie I mean it's not easy you know that it's you know in some ways it's getting more inclusive in some ways where you know our voices are being heard and in some ways it's you know it, it, it it'll it's never easy to get something made so and it's harder sure. to get something gay made
2: all oh, right. I'm also yeah. gagged that you met with her for three days. Like,
1: well, that, that became part of the story. Yeah, it was pretty. Is she like the
0: Roy Cohn of like, yes, <laughs> of,
1: yes. yes, okay.
0: Yeah, the name sounds familiar. Okay, I think it's going to be. Yeah,
1: she was the orange juice lady in the 60s and 70s for mm-hmm. Florida Orange Juice. She did like all these commercials. She was like, um, uh, it's hard to describe her. I mean, she was like a a, a B C list celebrity kind of thing, you know, and wow. and. She, and she used this platform of, you know, crusading against gay rights, and that became she became more famous for that than she became she had been for anything else before that, and then it ruined her career. Wow. Uh-huh. <laughs> Oops.
2: <laughs> sorry, <Yeah>. sorry,
1: Ben. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hi, <laughs> See you. <Yeah>. Later. <laughs> before we
0: wrap up, I just wanted to know if you mind sharing. Maybe just some advice, some last minute advice to anyone who's, you know, vacuuming instead of writing, who were like, you know, needs that little bit of yeah.
1: inspiration. Wait, did I miss the game? Did we play a game?
0: Oh, oh no, the game a is game. the very last
1: the thing. The game yeah. is coming. Oh, that's the last thing. I'm like, when are we yeah. playing a
2: game? We're playing game.
1: Um, It's always super fun. Some advice. Wow. I mean, look, I would just say whenever, a lot of times I will get emails or DMs from people who want to be writers and they and i'll say oh great like what have you written and they haven't written anything yet and i'm like well i don't know, I don't know how to help you you know so is is just right you know it's this sounds very simple but if you want to if you want to be a writer you have to you have to just write there are you know maybe a book or two you could be read about writing a class or two you could take about take about writing but it's not something uh you know, you don't need to go to college for this. I mean, you you know you you don't need to you know go to some really expensive PhD program. You just need to keep doing it and doing it and doing it, and um, and find your voice and find you know, and if you write a rom com, that doesn't mean you can't write a thriller. And if you you know you you can find find your find your voice and just just keep doing it. And listen, I know that's not easy. It sucks sitting down to write. I'd rather vacuum, but you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> but. You know, and I guess also going back to that first um, survival job story, it's like when you when an opportunity is presented to you, take it, even if it means you might lose your waiting job, waiting tables job. (laughs) Yeah,
2: there are many serving jobs now, so get, get, you get it. <laughs> somebody said that to me when I first came to the city I, I went to like a similar situation where I had an audition or something and I couldn't get they were like serving jobs are a dime a dozen in this town I don't know about LA sorry I completely like hijacked advice
1: <laughs> no I mean that's super good like I like I said it used to be impossible to get a waiting tables job now it's like you know Get fired yeah. You will get another job the next day. Who cares? Yeah,
2: who cares? <laughs> yeah. Or call me. Call me, guys. I, I'll staff you at my staffing agency. <laughs> yeah, Samantha is, a, you know, works yeah. at the
1: staffing agency. Yeah, we'll just Hello. put you on a
2: bunch of gigs. Can you, do you have anything that's coming up that you could share with us publicly? Hello to the horns.
1: Hello to um, the horns. I'm creating a new show right now, which I'm very excited about. And I am going to be writing another gay rom-com for Netflix.
0: Yes.
1: Yes.
2: <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> we'll we need be, it we need we'll it we'll be tuning in
1: <laughs> it's not a christmas movie it's a it's a gay rom-com but it's a uh it's gonna be really fun i'm really excited about it
2: can't wait it. we'll we'll definitely yeah. share like all your new things on the podcast
1: uh, awesome all
2: of our listeners will follow <laughs> okay so so thank you so much for sharing this interview time with us it's been amazing and I think it's time to transition to our super fun game. Jason, tell us about the game.
0: (laughs) Yes, yes, the game. So there's a quote in Single All the Way that was by Jennifer Coolidge's character that said, the gays just know how to do stuff. They're survivors. And for some reason, they're always obsessed with me. So we decided to do some Jennifer Coolidge trivia because of course we're obsessed with her. Let's see how much you know about the queen. No, okay.
2: Chasing <laughs> music and take that first one.
0: Okay, easy one, very easy one to start off with. Jennifer played Stifler's mom in what teen classic film series? American Pie. Ding ding. ding.
2: Correct. Ding ding. This is the true or false. If Jennifer Coolidge <laughs> can't find a hair tie, she just uses her underwear. True. Yeah. <laughs> she looked <laughs> at an article and I was like, yes, girl.
1: I did not see that article, but that sounds like her, so okay. <laughs> yeah. True or false. When Jennifer was
0: a child, she played the violin and thought she might do that for a living. False. Correct. False I'm correct. It was the clarinet actually. It was the clarinet.
2: <laughs> she went to orchestra camp, but not for violin. Wow. <laughs> In two thousand. I, I don't know how
1: I knew that, but I just couldn't picture her playing the violin. But the clarinet, I do remember that story now, <laughs> the clarinet. Yeah.
2: Wow. Um, I used to play the violin in case anyone was wondering. Okay. I can picture
1: you playing the violin.
2: Thank you. I was not great. <laughs> yeah. Okay. In two thousand and four <laughs> for a Cinderella story, Jennifer's fake fingernails had to be attached with tape because she was allergic to glue.
1: False. That is true. It is? Oh, that one's true. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I, I did mean, not know that. this
2: is from the internet. Who, it, yeah. I'm pretty sure. I'm just believing what the internet is telling. I'm
1: sure it's true. Yes.
0: Jennifer's Jennifer Coolidge's favorite holiday is Christmas. True or false?
1: False. False. Yeah. Right. It's Halloween. her favorite holiday is Halloween. Yeah, I know that. Yeah. Yes.
2: Yeah. <laughs> okay.
1: She throws a big Halloween party every year.
2: Um, this is not a question, but just a, to throw a fun fact. Another. She told about herself in this article was that she has more costumes than real clothes in her closet.
1: <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah.
2: Okay, That's last true. one. In Jennifer Coolidge's first serious play, she did her parents did not recognize her because she was playing a man.
0: Who? You got a hundred percent. Wow.
1: I did. No, I no, no I got, got, got the one wrong. wrong. I got uh, one. Wrong. I
0: guess I wasn't paying attention.
2: <laughs> yeah. I got the wrong.
1: one about the nails wrong fun okay well i got like an a-minus i guess right? yeah okay yeah, and, you it. And, right.
2: and, and you spit another fact out so you get a bonus point i can't remember what okay. it was, so you basically got 100 congratulations <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: thank you, yeah thank you thank you thank you uh Jennifer thank Poole, you yeah. thank you
2: this was so amazing it was so great to meet you and and talk so to great you. to meet you
1: guys this was really fun yeah. i like your podcast a lot
2: Thank, Thank you. you. We love you <laughs> Can you tell our listeners where they can find you on um, social media?
1: Yes. Uh, on Instagram at Chad Hodge, C-H-A-D-H-O-D-G-E. And on Twitter, but I, I don't really tweet that much. Just Instagram is probably where I am, where I'm at. And I've sp- awesome. am I, I told myself I'm going to learn how to use TikTok, but I feel like it's too late.
0: We- That's how I
1: feel. Honestly, I, I don't know if I keep a, like many to-do lists, but in my notes, you know, just like notes on your phone. And one mm-hmm. of the things is learn TikTok <laughs> on my to-do list. It's been there for months. I don't know. We master it. We'll send you some tips. Yeah. yeah. yeah, we get that far. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it can't be that hard if millions of people are doing it, right? Millions. It can't be. Yeah. Millions. Bazillions. Yeah. I mean, it can't be that hard. Yeah. 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 Amazing. Thank we, you just so have, much. we just have to vacuum. We don't have time to learn TikTok. Yeah. Yes!
2: We are busy. We were like we're busy. busy.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> busy for TikTok. Yes.
0: Um
2: and if you're a new listener, don't forget to follow us, Jason. Wanna tell him?
0: Yeah. Uh, Instagram and Twitter at, at Survival Jobs Pod and Facebook at Survival Jobs A Podcast. Yes. Thank you for the I'll application. That. I thought we
2: weren't going <laughs> to sing today. You just gave oh, us a nice I... note.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Chad, thank you so, so much. It was an honor and so thankful that you
1: spent time with us today. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. This was super fun.